May God speak to you through today's message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning and welcome to Parkway Fellowship. So glad you're here today. I also want to welcome our North Campus joining us by video feed. Glad you guys are with us as well. And today we continue our message series on part called Parkway Values, and where we're talking about the values that we have as a church and as we discovered that these are also the very same values that it takes to become a mature follower in Christ. Now, last week we talked about the values of humility and excellence. And today, we're gonna talk about two values that the truth is, if we don't have these two, none of the others um, are really gonna make much difference. Um, Now, we're about, You know, we're about three weeks into the new year. This is about the time when most people's New Year's resolutions, you know, really start to flame out. So uh, <laughs> anyway, and, uh, and this year, like so many people, I've made a commitment that I'm going to start getting in shape. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I say I take that back. I'm actually already in shape. It's just the shape of a cube. Okay, <laughs> I mean, that's a shape, right? So anyway, so uh, because I realize, you know, that if I don't do something to start getting in shape, the truth is, I'm on the path to becoming a dumpling. Yeah, and I don't want to be a dumpling. So anyway, so I've made a commitment that I'm going to start getting in shape. And I also know that the only way that I'm going to get where I want to go is diet and exercise. That's it. Diet and exercise. And the truth is, I like exercise. Like, that's the part that I, I enjoy. Now, it, it's hard to make time for it, but I do enjoy it. But then there's that diet part of it. And I'll be honest, I really don't eat a lot of really, like, fast food. I don't eat a lot of bad food. My weakness is chips and hot sauce. I, 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 I don't really understand, but I'm telling you, if... if if we're in a Mexican food restaurant and you put a, some chips and hot sauce in front of me, I'm going to tell you, like, we're going to brawl about that last chip, okay? I mean, I, 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 it, honestly, it's embarrassing, truthfully, but yet, it's so good. Oh, it's just so, it's just so good. So unfortunately, in the past, I've made a fairly light commitment to both diet and exercise, and consequently, I'm on the path to becoming a dumpling, and... <laughs> And I realize that all of my progress is built on two things, diet and exercise, and that's it. And in the very same way, all of the values of a strong Christ follower are built on two big values, two big things. And like spoiler alert, I'm gonna go ahead and give them to you. Those two values are the Bible and small groups. Because without these two values, not only would we probably not even know about the other values, but we'd be all alone. Because what good are values that affect the behavior in friendships if there are no friendships? And so here's what I've observed. If we make a light commitment to these two values, then the truth is, we're on the road to becoming spiritual dumplings. And just like diet and exercise, there are no shortcuts. And if if we don't hold high the values of the Bible and small group, 
then we're never going to become mature Christ followers. And that's not just true for us here at Parkway Fellowship. That's been true for Christ followers for centuries. And it will remain true for Christ followers for centuries to, be, to come. So go ahead and pull out your message notes if you haven't done so already. Let's start with the question, what are the two values upon which all of the other values are based? Well, the first is the Bible, and I already told you that, but here's the value written out. The value is this. The Bible is not just a story. It is God's truth meant to be applied to every area of life at every stage of life. We refit our lives to fit the Bible, not the other way around. You see, the Bible's not just a story, okay? Jack and the Beanstalk is a story. Little Red Riding Hood is a story. Goldilocks and the Three Bears is a story. And all those stories, you know, are memorable, and they've got life lessons embedded in them. But those stories aren't even on the same playing field as the Bible. You see, the Bible is, is God is the account of God reaching down to humanity to initiate a way for people's sins to be forgiven so that they can go to heaven when they die. And, and, and furthermore, the Bible is true. And yeah, there's some pretty incredible things in the Bible that are hard to believe that are true, you know, like a, a, a giant ark that carries two of every kind of animal during a worldwide flood. You know, God is shutting the mouths of hungry lions. Elijah, you know, being carried to heaven on a chariot of fire. But I'm going to tell you what. It doesn't matter how it sounds. It's all still true. And to reduce the Bible to anything less is to reduce the Bible to a collection of fables. Now, we don't have time to t today to talk about how do we know with certainty that the Bible is reliable and, and all that's true. Um, I did a series a couple of years ago called Puzzled by the Bible, and where I talk at length about that, and if you want to go back and you want to listen to that, you can do that on our website or on the podcast, and I would encourage you to do that. But today, I want to focus on how do we apply the Bible to life? How do we apply it to our daily lives? And I want you to look at what James, the actual blood brother of Jesus Christ, writes. In James... Chapter 1, verse 22, he starts by saying this. He says, do not merely listen to the word. He's talking to, about the Bible. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. I want you to put a box around, do what it says. So look, if you study the Bible, you know, whether that's at church or in small group or, you know, some other Bible, uh, Bible study, to study the Bible and not obey what it says, God says that you're deceiving yourself. Look, to know what the Bible says and not do it, and then to call yourself spiritually mature is the grandest self-deception that there is. Even Jesus' brother says that you're deceiving yourself. Now, look what he continues to say. Uh, verse 23, he says this, he says, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, and I'm going to just circle looking, that word looking, we're going to come back to it, looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. All right, now let's pause there for just a second, okay? Now the New Testament was originally written in the Greek language. And the 
the Greek word that James uses for the word looking means to take a long, studying look. Okay? Now, it's not just the, the quick glance, you know, to look in the mirror to, you know, check out the major stuff and just forget the details. That's, that's, not, that's not what he's saying here. The word that James uses here, it actually means that you take a long look in the mirror, okay? Not the long look that adults take, you know, just to, you know, make sure that, you know, you're not wrinkled or anything like that. This is the long look that teenagers take in the mirror, okay? Like, when teenage girls look in the mirror, and they look at a, for a long time just, to, you know, to make sure that literally everything is perfect, or the long look that teenage boys make in the mirror, you know, flexing because they know everything is perfect, okay? That's the long look that he's talking about here, okay? That's what he's saying. And so James says, how ridiculous is it to stand in front of a mirror for a really long period of time and then just walk away and forget what you look like? I, that, that doesn't even make any sense. And... But James says, to look into the Bible and not do what it says, that doesn't make any sense either. And so, look at how James continues this passage. Verse 25, it says, but the man who looks intently, I want you to underline looks intently, it's another very important word, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, and I want you to underline the rest of this, he will be blessed in what he does. Okay, now, that word that I had you underline, or those two words, looks intently, okay, now, that is, that is actually one Greek word, and that one word literally means penetrating absorption. If you want to write that down, you could. It means penetrating absorption, and it is the very same word to describe what John the Apostle did when he showed up at the tomb of Jesus on the morning that he was resurrected. The Bible said, the, Bible's, the word there is translated that John was stooping and peering into the tomb, looking intently allowing the truth of what he was seeing to penetrate his mind, and he was trying to absorb the truth of where was the body of Christ. That is the word that is being used here. And what James is saying is that you and I are to do that very same thing when we read God's word. We, we are to stoop over it and we are to peer into it, looking intently, allowing the truth of it to penetrate and to absorb into our hearts and to our minds so that we can obey what it says. So let me ask you this. Is that the approach that you take when you read the Bible? Now, be honest. Is that the approach that you take when you read the Bible? When you read the Bible, do you read it with that kind of intent? Not forgetting, you know, not forgetting what you read, you know, like when you walk out of church and you're on your way to the Mexican food restaurant and, you, you know, you're just on to the next thing. That's, that's not what we are to do. But we are to really absorb it and to put it into practice in our life. And that's what James says 
And that's what God says that we're supposed to do. And I want you to look at the benefit. The benefit is that last part that I had you underline. It says, he will be blessed in what he does. That's the blessing. So look, this is why at Parkway Fellowship that we try to make all of our messages really practical so that we can give you, give you something or give you several somethings that you can put into practice that week. Because we know that if, if you just merely walk out of church and you say, man, wasn't that great? Wasn't church great today? And then you just walk out and you never change a thing? God says that that's ridiculous. That's why we have next steps at the end of every single message. It's to help make it easier for you to put this stuff into practice. You know, think about it. If you took one next step every single week and actually followed through and did it, that would be 52 little steps that you've taken towards becoming spiritually mature, towards becoming more Christ-like. And at the end of the year, your life would really begin to change. And then if you stack several years together, well, now you're really on the road to becoming spiritually mature, all because you are holding high this value. If you hold up the value of the Bible and you say, you know what, I'm going to take some definite steps every week to refit my life to fit the Bible. I'm telling you, that is when maturity begins to happen. And the Bible says that those people are blessed in everything that they do. Okay, so let's talk about the other value for today. The other value for today is the value of small groups. Let me give you the definition of that value. Small groups are the other half of what we do. We believe meeting in small groups of people is the best way to make Christ-centered friends, study the Bible, and take care of each other. And the importance of being committed to a small group, that, that didn't start with Parkway Fellowship. That didn't start, you know, in the American church, you know, 25 years ago as a new trend. No, the idea of being committed to a small group started with the first century church. See, in the first century church, right after Jesus died and Christianity began to spread like wildfire all across the Mediterranean world, Christ followers gathered together in only two kinds of groups. They would gather together first in large groups, where they would hear uh, a sermon from an apostle or a pastor, and then they would also gather in small groups in homes to discuss and to encourage one another. Now, there were some cities in the New Testament world, in the Mediterranean world, um, that were very tolerant of Christianity. One of those cities was Corinth in Greece. And so people in Corinth, they could meet in large groups, and they could meet in small groups in homes. But then there were other cities in the New Testament world that were very intolerant of Christianity. And so those types of believers, for fear of persecution, could never assemble in large groups like this. Their only option was to get together in small groups in homes. And there are still countries today where that is true. Well, in the New Testament world, one of those intolerant cities was the city of Rome. And the, one of the reasons why they were so intolerant of Christians was because Christ followers were unwilling to admit that Caesar was a deity. And so they were persecuted in Rome. And so they could not meet openly in large groups, and so they met almost exclusively in small groups in homes. And it is to those small group gatherings in the city of Rome 
that the book of Hebrews was written. And so I want you to look at what the writer of Hebrews says in Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 24. It says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on. I want you to circle spur one another on. We're going to come back to it in a minute. Toward love and good deeds. And I want you to underline this. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But let us encourage one another. I want you to circle those three words. Encourage one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. Okay, now, look at verse 25, the verse that I had you underlined. Okay, it says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. So clearly, there were some Christ followers in Rome that had stopped meeting in their small group setting. Okay, now, pastors across the centuries have used this one verse to um, encourage people to go to church, you know, like to big church. And I don't really think that's, that's not a misuse of this term because I think had the church in Rome been able to gather in, small, in large groups like this, I, I think that this verse would still be here. But remember, this verse was primarily written to those Christ followers in a small group setting. That's where, who it was written to. So here at Parkway Fellowship, yeah, we gather here at whatever campus on Sunday mornings in large groups. But the truth is, that's only half of what we do. The other half of what we do is we gather in small groups to study the Bible. Look, and that, that's true for kids, uh, starting at age, in kindergarten, for teenagers, and for adults. You know, and just in case you're new here at Parkway Fellowship, we have three semesters of small group, a spring, a summer, and a fall semester, where we meet for approximately three months, and then we take a month off. And that month off is really good because it gives our leaders and it gives our host families a break, but it also means that there are three on-ramps in which new people can join groups because all the groups are new, and it, really, and it avoids that, you know, oh, I'm new here, like awkward feeling when you walk into a group because all the groups are new when that semester starts. Now, here's the thing. Sometimes there's folks that go to a small group and, you know, for whatever reason, that small group doesn't click for them or, you know, it just doesn't work out for their family. Like, I understand that. And I'll be honest with you, that's actually pretty rare. It's much more rare than you would think in a, you know, organization our size. But it does happen. And if that's happened to you, it doesn't mean, you know, that small groups don't work. I don't know. It just didn't work for you that one semester. Or, you know, if there's a change in your schedule and now Thursday nights don't work for you anymore, or, you know, that study that I really, that topic that I really wanted to get involved in, like, they're not, they're not having that or offering that this semester. Well, that doesn't mean that you don't sign up for small group. Why? Because the Bible says, let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. Remember, God is referring to to small groups. So why? Why does the Lord not want you to give up meeting together in small groups? Well, the answer is in the parts that we, ha- that we circled. It's because he wants us to spur one another on, and he wants us to encourage one another. You see, the two big things that happen in small groups is that first, you study the Bible. And some s- small groups, they study a biblical topic. Other small groups study a book of the Bible. But the point is, is that you talk about it as a group. 
That's the spur one another on part. So when you, you talk about it, you discuss it, you ask questions, you, you, whenever you dialogue, you are spurring one another on toward love and good deeds, towards obeying more of the Bible. Then the second thing that happens in a small group is that that's where you make Christ-centered friends. That's the, the second part that I had you circled, the encouraging one another part. You offer encouragement to one another in small group by praying for each other and caring for each other. You know, if something unexpected happens to someone in a group. See, those are the things that friends do. And in small group, that's how you make friends. I'll be honest with you, I've become friends with people here at the park that I never would have had the opportunity to become friends with had it not been for small group. And if you're a veteran here at Parkway Fellowship, you know that's true, because you've experienced that yourself. And let's, let's talk about kids and teenagers for just a second. This year, both of my kids changed schools. I've got a fourth grader and a sixth grader. And going to school with other kids that they have been in small group with here at church, so that when they showed up at school, they already had some Christ-centered friendships, I'm telling you, that made all the difference in making a smooth transition for my kids this year. I promise. And so, parents, if you want your kids and your teenagers to be connected with other kids and teenagers that are, you know, Christ-centered, then you need to make sure that you have your kids and your teenagers enrolled in a small group. And for adults, you need to make sure that you're in a small group as well. And the good news is that today is the first day that you can sign up for small groups for the spring semester. Now, adult groups don't start meeting until, I think, the second week of February. But the kids and youth small groups have already started. And so you can, when you sign up your kids, like they can, the kids and the teenagers can start going to small group this Wednesday night because all their groups meet on Wednesday nights. And for adults, you can sign up for a group this morning on your connection card. Or um, you can sign up online, but that won't happen. The online signups won't be active until Wednesday evening. But either way, you need to be a part of a small group. It is the biblical thing to do, and it is a huge value here at Parkway Fellowship. Look, in order to become a mature Christ follower and not, you know, a spiritual dumpling then you have to hold high the value of the Bible and the value of small group. You have to. In fact, if you hold on to those, just those two values, then I can promise you eventually all of the other values that we're going to talk about will come to pass in your life. They will eventually become present in your life if you hold on to these two. But here's the thing. Without these two values... I can promise you this, you will never become a spiritually mature Christ follower, no matter what else you do, because everything is based on those two things. So as a church, let's make a high-level commitment to these two values because we know that they will carry us above all other things. And so if you're willing to make that kind of a commitment, then find your connection card and let's take some next steps together. Perhaps it's this first next step. I commit to read my Bible at least three times each week. 
And if you don't know where to start, I want you to start with the book of Mark. It's 16 chapters long. You read a chapter a day. You can finish it in just over two weeks, and it's easy to understand. So would you make a commitment that you're going to read the Bible at least three times every week? And maybe more for you, but at least three times? Next. I will not just read the words in my Bible, but I will put into practice the things I learn. Would you do that? Would you put those things into practice? That's the key towards spiritual maturity. Next, sign me up for a small group. And then there, you write the code uh, in, in your catalog. Just write the code of the small group you're signing up for right there in that little space. So make sure you check that box. And look, I know the, the catalog is big, and you might not have had a chance to look through it. So you know what? Like when Pat plays a song here in just a minute, just read the catalog. It's fine. He won't care. He's, he's good. Like, it'll be fine. So, um, but sign up for a small group today, okay? And next, sign my child or teenager up for a small group. Then you need to put your kid's name and then the code of the group you're signing up with. If you've got more than three kids, then put them, just list them below. We're, we're smart. We can figure it out. Now look, if you already have your kids and teenagers signed up from last semester, you do not need to re-sign them up. They, they, we, do, we keep them enrolled. But if you didn't sign them up last semester, then sign them up today and bring them Wednesday to small group. All right, next. I will sign up for a small group online this week, and that won't be available probably until Wednesday evening. Now look, I'll be honest with you, if you don't sign up today and you wait till Wednesday, that's fine, but there will be some groups that will already be full, and then you won't be able to sign up for those groups. So today, this morning, is the only time that you can sign up for any group. After that, they'll start to fill up, and once they're full, they're full, and you can't sign up for those groups anymore. Or this last one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower today for the first time in my life. Look, here's the thing. The whole entire Bible is about God reaching down to humanity offering them forgiveness because of their son, Jesus Christ. And maybe like John the Apostle, maybe you've been coming to church and you've been looking intently. You've been literally stooping and peering into this thing called Christianity and into Christ. Look, Jesus died on a cross so that his death could pay the price for your sins and he offers you forgiveness for free. Now the expectation is, is that if you receive that forgiveness, that you'll follow him from that point forward. That's what being a Christ follower is. If you've never made that commitment, then I want you to make it today. There's a sample prayer right below your next steps on your message notes. If you've never prayed that prayer before, pray it right now. In fact, I'm going to give everybody a chance to pray and ask God to help you follow through with your next steps. And if you're signing up for a small group, then take this time to pray for your small group for this semester, that God would use it in your life. So right now, everybody, bow your head, close your eyes, and let's all pray during these next moments. Heavenly Father, I want to say thank you for the opportunity to come today to study your word, to dive 
deeper into what you have said about the importance of your word and the importance of gathering together in small groups to really study and really wrestle with some things to spur one another on and to encourage one another. And I ask that when you look down from heaven and you look at Parkway Fellowship, that you would see us as a people that are highly committed, highly committed to the Bible, and to not just studying it, but doing it, and highly committed to meeting together in a large group as well as in small groups so that we could spur one another on and encourage one another. And so I ask that you would bless every small group this semester from kindergarten all the way to senior adult and use it as an instrument to help us grow closer to you. And I ask you to bring us back next week so that we can hear more. And I ask you to do this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.